Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. This week, you're in for quite an experience as we discuss the patient experience during COVID-19. Before we dive into that discussion, be sure you go back and experience any previous episodes of The Wrap you may have missed. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. And the most recent episodes can also be viewed on YouTube. New shows debut weekly and can always be found in headlines. All right, the past few months have been challenging, not just for employees, but for patients as well. To discuss that and what the organization is doing to help, let's bring in Molly Dwyer-White, the Director of Patient Experience at Michigan Medicine. Molly, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Daniel. Now, first, can you explain your role in the organization and what the goal of the Office of Patient Experience is? Absolutely. Um, so basically, um, our vision is the Office of Patient Experience is helping everyone in our organization deliver consistent patient and family-centered care um, where all patients and their families feel welcomed and respected and included and involved as uh, partners in shared decision-making. Ultimately, what we're aiming for is including patients and families to manage a, a comprehensive, well-coordinated care plan. Yeah. Now, I know that's obviously been a challenge over the past few months, especially with visitor protocols and things like that changing. So what have been some of the biggest challenges you've faced in the Office of Patient Experience? Yeah, without a doubt, um, having to limit the number of visitors, which means family members in this era, um, has been extremely painful, um, not just for the patients and the families that want to be together, but also for staff that, that you know, have come to really rely upon family members as partners in care decision making and helping engage with patients who oftentimes are too, too sick um, to, to discuss their needs and preferences and values. Um, so their presence has been really gravely missed. So a lot of the work we've been doing over this time is helping folks. Uh, so not only helping manage that visitor policy and expanding it when the governor allowed us to, to allow more um, family members to be present, but also helping family members connect to patients um, while they're away. Because even, even with the um, more allowances, there's still, it can't be a whole family coming in, for example. So, you know, we're looking at how do we utilize technology and other ways to keep people connected. So um, it's been challenging, but on a lot of really amazing um, moments and work has come out of it um, that I think has helped make this time bearable. Yeah, and I know that that's that's true, and we'll we'll get to that in a second. One other thing I was just sort of thinking about too, though, is that it's not just the visitor policy too, right? That's that's changed. There's not as many volunteers on campus. The Hope oh, Ambassador Program, you know, things like that that people have sort of come to rely on. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because everybody had to really, we had to limit to just really core essential workers, and even though our volunteers provide very valued services um, all over the organization. Um, we had to, safety had to come first. And so, you know, yeah, our ambassador program has been unpaused. We're looking to just have a slow re-ramp um, now, but many, many volunteers that provide help, whether it's the gift shops or helping up on units or in clinics, um, all of that has had to be paused. So that's really been a hardship for um, our organization and just how we normally function. So a lot of those special touches that Michigan Medicine is known for um, have have had to be put on pause and we're having to think in new ways of how we can still really have those connecting moments. So yeah. Now how have faculty and staff stepped up to sort of overcome those hardships? 
Honestly, Daniel, it has been, I think that has been, I mean, overwhelming to see on very, very big ways of, you know, seeing how staff that came out of different areas to volunteer, to set up, to figure out something that the whole nation was figuring out, the whole world has been trying to figure out how do we take the safest care of these patients um, and how, how does that impact the rest of our patients and um, so seeing all that amazing innovation, people working really together outside of segment sort of uh, model um, has been enormous. But what's been most impressive is to hear these stories of patients that are in these really tough spots and staff bending over backwards to really make meaningful moments for them. And many patients that had to experience their last days um, in our organization, what staff were doing to have to hold their hand in those hard moments, to call their families, to connect them to bring them in when we could. Um, it's just been incredible. So how have some of our faculty and staff worked in ways to sort of overcome those hardships? Um, you know, that has been, uh, Daniel, one of the most heartwarming and also just <laughs> makes you love this place, uh, even when it's hard days, um, because staff have stepped up in so many ways that have just been enormous from um, the way that they brought together the the care units, the RICU and little RICU to help make sure we were ready to, to care for the sickest of sick patients and how we manage the patients that we had to um, see their care in a different way. Um, so the clinical teams have been phenomenal, but it's also been um, folks in many, many different areas in the organization that have really stepped up in huge ways, like environmental services comes to mind because I, you know, you're seeing that they're taking all these extra time and hours or, you know, extra measures to make sure we're up to the latest and greatest infection control measures, um, as well as social workers and house officers that are making those phone calls all hours of the day. It's just um, powerful, as well as like child life and all these other groups, social work that are, um, you know, making those moments because people still have birthdays. And there were people making that possible, holding up signs and doing all those important things because we're human. And so seeing people connect on that human level um, and I was also really impressed with all the staff that worked in different areas in the organization, including in the ambulatory care site, you know, all these incredible things, and as well as people volunteering to deliver food to the folks on the front line. So um, I feel like everybody was really aware that they're in it together and we're going to get there if we stick together and row together. So it was yeah. really amazing. Yeah, I think that's one of the great things to take away from the past few months. What are some other sort of positive takeaways or maybe things that that we've learned now since March that will carry with us forward long after COVID-19 is gone? Well, that is a really good question. I think we've learned a lot. I think just having gone through this exercise, I think we'll be ready for other waves and that sort of thing. Also have as an organization recognize how valuable that family presence is and how do we integrate that? Um, because if we are gonna be on this um, restricted visitors uh, for a while, we need to be more robust in how we engage them in these things. I think there's a lot with technology that we will, that has brought to light where we can advance. I mean, virtual care, the way that had sped up its um, trajectory has been really um, impressive, but there's so much more we could do to support families and patients. And, and even um, some of the things that we mentioned, um, you know, volunteers not being there. So there's a lot of services that we would normally provide, like gifts of art type of services. Now we're starting to look at ways that we can offer that virtually, um, things like iPads to help deliver some of that. So 
um, that's some of the good that's coming out of it that I wanted to do two years ago that this kind of helped say, aha, now we now we really have more, um, you know, uh, gas to, to get it where we want it to go. Yeah. Are there other things, you know, you once again, looking beyond COVID, are there other sort of programs that you're looking forward to introducing in the months and years ahead through the Office of Patient Experience? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, you know, to be honest, one of the biggest things that we want to work on is really looking at how we're meeting the needs of diverse populations. So that's that's not a program so much as a, a sort of initiative that will be ongoing. And we've been doing a lot of work in that, but I think we're, we're up in the game there. Um, but I think that programmatically, yeah, I think we really want to lean into more what are the amenities and services we could be offering. And there's some neat things we've been working on with nursing um, where it can be, how do we help, you know, how do, it's, it's get to know me is what we've been calling it at that framework of how we can at a low tech level, get to know patients and help people know them, whether they're on the floor in the clinic um, and then help that be remembered and known throughout the system. And to me, there's a lot of mechanisms of how we do that, how we build in family caregiver um, roles and, um, you know, ultimately make it easier for patients and families to navigate through our system. So we have a lot of really cool things, um, low tech and, and uh, higher tech that we're hoping mm -hmm. to roll out. Outstanding. Well, I look forward to seeing those take shape. So thank you Me so too. much, Molly, for, for sharing all of this information. If you want to learn even more about Molly's perspective on what's going on, a full Q&A with her was published this week in Headlines. You can find that at mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. And while you're there, check out other featured stories from the past week. For instance, the week began with tips on how you can help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Readers were given resources on improving their mental health during these challenging times, and faculty and staff were recognized for making a difference last month. Find those stories and much more at mmheadlines.org. All right, it's time for the weekly trivia contest. Last week, we asked listeners, the first resident physician began working at Michigan Medicine in what year? The answer was 1874. Congratulations to Melissa Clive, who sent in the correct answer. Melissa, a member of the Department of Communication, will be in touch shortly to help you claim your prize. Now for this week's question. Which M Healthy campaign is designed to help employees incorporate gratitude into their day-to-day -day work and personal lives? Once again, which M Healthy campaign is designed to help employees incorporate gratitude into their day-to-day -day and personal lives? The answer can be found in this week's Wellness Wednesday headline story. And once you know it, send it to headlines at med.umich.edu for the chance to win a prize. That's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much, Molly, for joining us. And thank you to all of our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. We'll see you next week.